Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER Crossover NBA podcast. I'm Chris Mannix, joined as always by Rohan Nadrani. And Rohan, we've got a lot to get into on the show today. Your first show of 2024 took a couple of weeks off. We had the great Roy Hibbert joining me this past week. I encourage people to go back and listen to that conversation. Some conversation about current events and a little verticality talk as well. Some Lance (laughs) Stevenson stories mixed in uh as well um but before we get into what i mainly want to talk about i i do want to briefly touch on what happened this past weekend in chicago uh you know what i'm talking about of course the uh Mm -hmm. induction of jerry Krause, the former general manager of the bulls uh posthumously into the ring of honor um in chicago kraus of course was the architect of those 90s Bulls championship teams. He didn't draft Michael Jordan, but he did put all the pieces around him, including Phil Jackson, the head coach, Scottie Pippen, Horace Grant, made the trade for Dennis Rodman, like all the all the things that made the Bulls the Bulls, Jerry Krause put together. Now, he is a largely uh, reviled figure in Chicago Mostly because he, people point to him as being responsible for ending the Bulls dynasty. Now, it's not that simple, but people point to him as saying, you know, he and his disagreements with Michael Jordan, with Phil Jackson, uh, were the reason that the Bulls dynasty ended in 1998. And that, that perception was enhanced 
during the documentary The Last Dance, which was a Michael Jordan production um, and did not paint Jerry Krause in a favorable light. So fast forward to this past weekend where Jerry Krause, along with Phil Jackson and others, are being inducted into the Bulls' ring of honor. And when they do the video for Jerry Krause, the crowd largely boos, or partially boos at least, however you want to frame it. And as they're booing, the camera shot goes to the uh, widow of Jerry Krause, Thelma Krause, who is there looking distraught, as you can imagine. You know, this is supposed to be a wonderful moment for her late husband, an opportunity to honor his accomplishments within, you know, within the Bulls organization, the, the fact that he was the man who put together those championship teams, and the response is a loud chorus of Bulls. Now, I'm not going to paint all Bulls fans with one brush. There were cheers uh, into that mix, but there were enough boos that it was audible on TV, and that was... You know, I think uh, Adrian Wojnarowski used the word cruel. Uh, others have used other words as well. Um, it was bad. It was really bad and a really bad look for Bulls fans who seem to forget that without Jerry Krause, those championship teams, many of them, if not all of them, probably are not put together. Jerry Krause is one of the great scouts in in his time in the NBA. He bird-dogged a lot of these quality young players that made up the guts of that Bulls roster. Uh, you know, to see that and to see the reaction of Thelma Krause while the crowd was booing was ugh, just icky. Is that a word for it? It just didn't, it, it really wasn't a pleasant thing to see. Yeah, man, it was really uncomfortable. It's really sad. I, I think icky is honestly... Um a right word. Um, it, it just is it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. It, it's it's tough, and there's a lot at play here. It's such an interesting parallel too, Chris. When you see what's happening with the Golden State Warriors right now, and like you see fans being like, "We need to fire Steve Kerr. We need to trade Clay Thompson." You had Bob Myers step away. I think in part because he knew that there were going to be tough decisions that if he had to make. Uh, could make him a villain in San Francisco. Uh, could would damage his relationships with the players that, that he spent years building. And you know, I think when you when you look at it through that lens, you realize like Jerry Krause, there are no easy decisions to be made there. Like you said, it's complicated. It's not as simple as one guy being like, "I'm going to break up the dynasty." And it is tough because you know the Last Dance was obviously so popular when it came out, and there's this huge, rightfully so, um, public adoration. For Michael Jordan. But I mean, at some point you have to wonder, like, you know, if, if Jordan, if Michael Jordan were to come out and say, you know, don't do something like that, that was not cool. I believe the tone would change immediately. I mean, he's someone mm -hmm. who went after Jerry Krause at his Hall of Fame induction. And, you know, The Last Dance is interesting because I, I really enjoyed it. At the same time, you know, I remember I, I interviewed the director before it aired and I asked him, like, you know, he has seemingly an artistic vision as a documentary filmmaker but then there's the truth of what happened and then there's but then there's also the idea that michael jordan has his thumb on the scale right you mentioned he was a producer on the documentary and i think that gave him great control in how he was portrayed how certain people were portrayed and i think it just threw gas on the fire in terms of the way people view jerry Krause. and it's very sad i mean 
you know, I, I started covering the NBA kind of long after he was out of the public spotlight. I, I don't claim to know him, but it, it's just unfortunate. It, it's it's really just unfortunate, and it feels like this doesn't need to be perpetuated any longer. It's been almost thirty years. Um, you know, the idea that that this still needs to be something that people are upset about. It's just a shame, honestly. It is. Um, And look, Jerry Krause loved Scottie Pippen, and he orchestrated the deal that allowed the Bulls to get Scottie Pippen on draft night in what was it, 87, 88. Um, Without that deal, there is no Bulls dynasty. There's not. Because we had seen what a Bulls team with just Michael Jordan and some other kind of supporting players around him had been. It had been unsuccessful, a Mm first-round exit for those times in the 80s. It was only after Scottie Pippen came along, developed that chemistry with Jordan, they became the most dominant one-two punch in the NBA. Um, Jerry Krause deserves enormous credit for that. The Horace Grant stuff, Dennis Rodman, all the things along the way, all the guys that that were acquired by the Bulls were acquired by Jerry Krause. He was an elite Hall of Fame general manager. And to boo him for something that took place like 25 years ago, yeah, look, could Jerry Krause have done some things differently? Sure. Like, it, it didn't have to get that acrimonious, although both sides deserve blame for that. Phil Jackson, mm-hmm. Michael Jordan, and Jerry Krause, they all share that blame pie for how that Bulls dynasty ended. But they won six damn championships. Like, they were and are one of the greatest dynasties in NBA history. 25-some-odd years later, to boo the guy who is dead, the architect of that team, uh, it is really remarkable to me. It just, look, I, I am, I'm a Bostonian, right? We just saw Bill Belichick leave the Patriots. This to me, as I'm watching this hall unfold, this to me would be like Belichick coming back to New England a few years later and fans in New England booing him because he was the one that pushed Tom Brady out the door and ended the Patriots dynasty. And Brady went on to win another championship in Tampa Bay. It's kind of like that. I mean, I was reading Seth Wickersham and uh, Don Van Natta did a great story about uh, the end of the mm-hmm. the Belichick era. And, and in it was, you know, Bob Kraft, a quote from him, you know, from behind the scenes, sort of lamenting that Bill Belichick told him that Tom Brady couldn't play anymore. So this mm-hmm. would be like Patriots fans booing Belichick. I can assure you, when Bill Belichick comes back to New England as a head coach, it is going to be a raucous ovation for him. Mm-hmm. It, it It's just crazy to me that we're still looking at Jerry Krause as this villainous character when he put together a team that won six damn championships. Well, I really I really felt bad for, for his widow because I know... It, mm-hmm. Look, Jerry, and this has been widely reported, and, and I didn't know Jerry Krause all that well. I had a, a couple mm-hmm. of conversations with him you know, towards the end. Um, his... He wanted validation maybe he wanted like he wanted to be in the hall of fame you know mm-hmm. eventually got in but after uh, his passing uh he wanted to be you know known for his accomplishments he wanted to mm-hmm. to be recognized that's a better word for his accomplishments and to have one of those moments take place and to see his his widow just in in, in that kind of emotional mm-hmm. state was was tough to watch man that was and really there's, tough to watch. And there's, and you know, people I think kind of criticize him for wanting that recognition. Chris, you know this. Everyone in this business wants to leave a legacy. That's that's the way it is. And I, I don't think that he should. That should be held against him 
for wanting to leave his mark on the NBA, for wanting the recognition uh, for leaving his mark on the NBA. And that's that's what people are in this business for. You know, they want to leave their mark. They want to say they impacted the game. Belichick should be booed, though. I mean, the guy, no, come please. on. Please, no, no. A cheater, a cheater. Uh, um, no, ran no. Brady out of town. Ran no. Brady out of town. Average coach without Brady. Boo the hell out of that guy. Okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> don't, I just don't you, mention I him in the same breath. about the Miami Dolphins over the weekend. <laughs> what a... What a what a pillar of a franchise that one is. Like that, you know, really just the modern uh As long as you ignore the as long as you ignore the twenty first century, um yeah, they did yeah. some good things. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, it's 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 tough for Jerry Krause. It's tough mm-hmm. for his his widow and um you know, I, I hope and again, not painting all Bulls fans mm-hmm. with one brush. It's just the right, segment of, of Bulls fans right. that booed and that's it. I will say this about Stacey King, the commentator for uh, mm-hmm. the former Bull, Bulls commentator, uh, who started out on the right track when he was criticizing the Bulls <laughs> fans for, for uh, going after Jerry Krause. But then he's like, we're not New York. We're not Philadelphia. You think that ha- that doesn't happen in New York and Philadelphia? What are you talking about? A uh, little too much sriracha. Do you, do you, little like, too much you, sriracha from Stacey King. There. Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. like New York. Like every time I go to the Garden, there's an ex Nick there, regardless yeah. of whatever they played in. They are completely. If you hailed. average like six points a game for the Knicks Come in like the on. '90s, like, you were not a, New York. You, you had me, Stacey, until you went. We're not New York. I think it was we're not. Cal, we're not Philadelphia. Like <laughs> Kyle Newbeck, who covers covers the Sixers, said we get uh, criticized for booing Santa, who's not a real person. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like this is we're lumped in with this. So lumped yeah, yeah, little Stacy. Yeah, you good. know, you had me at the beginning. You were on the right track, <laughs> yeah. and then you just veered yeah. way off that track. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the Lakers. Um, this is a team that we have been discussing almost weekly now because ever since the in-season tournament, they have just been a mess. The most recent loss over the weekend of the Utah Jazz, LeBron James did not play in that game. Anthony Davis did play, was inefficient in that game. And look, even without LeBron, that's a game that a Laker team with expectations should be expected to be competitive and should be expected to win a game like that. Now the Jazz are playing great basketball. They they are looking like the team we saw in the first two months of last season. Now they've just turned it on at a different point in time in this year. But you know this was another loss for the Lakers. I think they're two and six in their last eight games. They have been a disaster since the in season tournament. Sprinkling in a win or two here or there to kind of slow the bleeding. But um, they are that Jazz game, notwithstanding, in the middle of a fairly long stretch of home games. Uh, You know, I I think this home schedule, Rohan, is, this is the the, the come to Jesus moment here. Like, this is where they have to go on a run over these next couple of weeks. It begins Monday night against Oklahoma City. I expect LeBron to play in that game. I expect it to be a tough game. Oklahoma City is really good. But, look, they beat the Thunder back in late December. These are the kind of games they're going to have to start to put together. Because if they don't, and they get to the end of the month, and they got to go back on the road again before the February trade deadline, I don't know what can happen with this group. Because this is now their opportunity to show that they are a functional team. That they are not a team that is middle of the pack defensively, which is where they are right now. That they are better than bottom third in the NBA offensively. That guys like Rui Hashimura coming back, and Austin Reeves 
can play better. Like th- this, these next couple of weeks, I think, are everything for the LA Lakers. What do you think? Absolutely. Real quick, I we're, I just want to say very quickly, you mentioned that they lost to the Jazz. The Utah Jazz are like the hottest team in the NBA right now. And I, I think know, Will Hardy. I know. I know. I just want to say that I think Will Hardy should be like talked about as one of the best coaches in the NBA. That's all I want to say. I mean, say. he is. He's he was incredible. talked about last year. Last year, yeah. they kind of just they yeah. stumbled down the stretch. But, right. You right. know, he, he's his his mind is 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 yeah. Rare. He's one of the like, sharpest people very, I've talked yeah. to in the league ever. Yeah. Um. I so I think there's a couple teams, Chris, that I think people are kind of very scared to write off, and this is where I commend you because last year. You hitched your wagon to the Lakers are making the finals, and you came very close. You rode that team to the wheels fell off, and it was just an impressive commitment to the take. So in in spirit of uh, 2023 Chris Mannix, here's what I got. The Lakers are done. They're just done. They're 19-21, and 21, and I think people are so scared to write them off, especially after what happened last year. You know, they end up making to the conference finals, but they get swept. They don't win a game. The Nuggets are in firm control of that series. Listen, and by done do I mean, like, could they make the second round? Sure. But there are too many teams that are better than them in the West. The Thunder, the Wolves, the Clippers, the Denver Nuggets, the reigning champions. And I just don't see the Lakers. There's not a move on the board for them to make that's going to make them better than those teams, number one. Number two, you know, Darvin Ham has said we're battling injuries. Uh, the rotation's been all over the place. I like Darvin Ham. I think he did obviously did a great job last year uh, kind of keeping things afloat there amid all the injuries. But LeBron and Anthony Davis have been healthy. They've they've played an incredible amount of minutes together. They're, they're right up there uh, with other top duos in the NBA. So I just don't buy the injury excuse for them. What it comes down to is despite having LeBron and Anthony Davis, they can't put a good offense on the floor. And, and that's been a theme uh, during LeBron's tenure in Los Angeles, frankly, is his teams haven't had good offenses. You know, remember remember that first year where people were like, is Anthony Davis the best teammate LeBron has ever had? And it's like, well, is it too much to expect them to have a, a top 15 offense every year uh, if they're both still so good? Um, and that's not to say it's AD's fault. I, I think obviously a huge part of it is just the constant upheaval of the rotation around those two guys. And they kind of opted into this size thing this year, but still with iffy shooting and, you know, last year, at least you could say, listen, they need to get AD and LeBron on the floor and they need to trade Westbrook. Those are those are major moves that they can make to kind of turn this thing around. I don't think that's out there this year. I don't think Zach Levine is going to vault them over the Thunder or any of the teams I just mentioned. So I I just can't take this team seriously. It's We've had now a half season's worth of data to show that, you know, this isn't it. And it's it's they can't use the injury excuse this year because they they've had LeBron and AD. Yeah, I, I think to your point about no deals being out there to be made is the most important one. Last year, they had some flexibility. They could move off the Westbrook contract, attach a draft pick to it, and come away with you know, the smorgasbord of Jared Vanderbilt and Rui Hashimura and all the players that they were able to acquire from mid-January on. Um, This year, they don't have those options. Um, Could they go and try to make a deal for Zach Levine? Yeah, but that's going to take three players just to get to Zach Levine's number, right? You're going to have to do D'Angelo Russell. You're going to have to do Rui Hashimura. Um, You're... You don't want to throw Austin Reeves into that mix, but I'm sure Chicago would ask for them, for him. Um, 
it just doesn't work. And, you know, Pascal Siakam out there is a trade option. Sure, the Lakers would love him, but they're going to get outbid because they don't have the assets other teams do for Pascal Siakam, namely Golden State, which I think is in the driver's seat uh, when it comes to those Pascal Siakam uh, talks. Uh, so I, I, I don't see a deal out there that is going to make them measurably better. So then you're just kind of crossing your fingers and hoping for internal improvement, right? So Rui Hashimura had what, like 17 points against Utah in his return. Yeah, good performance, you know, by Hashimura was his numbers. You know, 50% from the floor, you know, uh, three rebounds and assists, that's nothing, but whatever. Um, he He played pretty well offensively, you know, gave them some decent numbers offensively. Can he continue with that trend? Can Austin Reeves continue to improve if he's going to stay in that starting lineup? Uh, Gabe Vincent is out there as this great unknown. Gabe Vincent has barely played for this team this year. Um, Can he come in and be the kind of impact player he was for Miami last year? I know there were expectations on Vincent being a part of this rotation, a pretty good 3 and D type guy, you know, had deep playoff experience with the Heat. Can he be kind of their trade deadline pickup when he comes back to the rotation in February or March? Jury's out if, if it's too late in the season for Gabe Vincent to be a real contributor. But I, I am not anticipating a needle-moving deal for the Lakers because even if they're able to acquire a player like Levine, it's going to cost them a lot. Uh, even if they're able to acquire a player like Siakam, it's going to cost them a lot. Uh, and beyond that, like, I don't know what, what it is. I don't know what the deal is out there that makes the Lakers like DeJounte Murray, same thing. Like there's going to be a bidding war for DeJounte Murray mm-hmm. when, if, and when the Hawks really get serious, and we're going to talk about them because they should, if, and when the Hawks get serious about trading uh, Murray or Trey Young or both. So I don't know. I, I don't like, I, I think, it's to me, it's all about organic improvement with the Lakers. And if these guys that were so good for them from February on last year can get back to being those type of players and getting that team back to being the type of defensive team it was once was like, they're never going to be a great offensive team. Like mm-hmm. they're not going to be top 10 offensively. They don't have the horses for it. What they can be is a grinded out defensive team. Like they were top five in the playoffs last year. And then say final six minutes, we got LeBron, we got AD, they're going to take us home. Like that right. is the kind of team that can make them successful. What degree of success, I don't know, but they can be successful playing that way. But as long as they're middle of the pack defensively and this bad offensively, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're not winning anything. For sure. And I think, you know, Vincent was definitely someone who I think they had high expectations for, someone who I think they probably thought would close games over D'Angelo Russell. I mean... I get that they've had guys in and out, but Ham's rotations have really been all over the place. And I think a big kind of issue with them this year has been regression from Reeves. I thought Reeves was someone who, you know, he wasn't necessarily a defensive stopper for them, but someone who they could throw on Steph Curry in a playoff series, for example, and chase him around. Um, It's kind of been the opposite this year in terms of Reeves is getting targeted, I think, in a way that he wasn't last year and is not necessarily holding up as well. And I think that's been an issue for them. You know, it's just hard for them to find two-way guys. I mean, Vanderbilt was someone who they finally got back in the starting lineup, but his shooting is so tricky. Um, I I, I really don't know what the options are for them. Because even, like, you mentioned Hachimura, LeBron misses that Jazz game. 
they had success at times in the playoffs playing him with LeBron and AD. You know, he had that big, some big games in the Grizzlies series. But you remember the Grizzlies were like, yeah, we're, we want them to take, we want him to take those shots. And if that's how we end up losing, that's how we end up losing. That That's kind of been the book on Hachimura, and it's going to continue to be that. And it's like, can you get away with his clunky sizing next to LeBron and AD? Like, yeah, I just think that it's crazy because I think we all thought they had a good offseason. I like Torian Prince for them. I really like Gabe Vincent from them. But I think we've seen regression from some of the guys who played huge roles from them last year. And it, that, that's been a big issue. And it's just crazy to think how I understand LeBron's gotten older. He's had his own injury problems. Like that, that's been a big part of kind of the issues he's had in L.A., but Man, the Lakers were really kind of handed a golden ticket when LeBron decided to sign there. I mean, it's not like he signed there because he wanted to play with all the guys on the team. They traded them away within a year. Um, that they they just not been able to find any measure of consistent success around. I mean, three coaches, constant overhauls of the supporting cast. Uh, it's uh, it's wild when you zoom out. It <laughs> in on a micro level, if you want to zoom in. First quarters for the Lakers have been a disaster. They have been oh God. Yeah. as bad as they usually are offensively, but defensively, they are 28th in the NBA in defensive rating in the first quarter of games. And they're yeah, they, it's like 25, 26 times mm-hmm. they have trailed after the first quarter. So every single it's... game, they are digging themselves out of a hole. Every game. I mean, they, they keep throwing these new starting lineups out there too. And it's like, there's none of it. <laughs> none of them have worked. Nothing's worked. Nothing has worked. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. 
Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, speaking of nothing working, uh, we're going to talk about the Atlanta Hawks here, a team that we don't often discuss on the podcast. But I think it's now reached the point where we have to have a serious discussion about what the Hawks are, are going to do. They are 15-23 and 23. Uh, just lost to the Washington Wizards. Washington Wizards. 127 to 99. That's that's bad. That's a bad loss for the Atlanta Hawks. Um, they have a pretty good offense, eighth in offensive efficiency. They have an absolutely atrocious defense, 27th in defensive efficiency. So they are a one-way team. They've been that way for most of the last few years, it feels like, but this is you know, as wide a gap, I think, as you've had. You look at last season, they were 7th in offensive rating, 22nd in defensive rating. Season before that, 2nd in offensive rating. I guess, well, 26, that was pretty bad, too, in the 21-22 season. Go back to 20 and 21, 8th, and then 21st. So this has kind of been a theme for the Atlanta Hawks. And, you know, they say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Well, this is what the Hawks are. They are... At best, a play-in first-round playoff team that gets beat early, um, and at worst, a lottery team. And it's sure looking like they're a lottery team right now. Um, they have trade pieces, right? You know, you've got Trey Young, who is still a dynamic offensive player. You've got DeJounte Murray, who is a very good two-way player. These two guys do not work together as a backcourt. That's pretty clear. We've got enough evidence to see uh, that much. Uh, what do the Hawks do here, uh, you know, as we get towards that February 8th trade deadline. I mean, how aggressive do they need to be in in either tinkering with this team or just blowing it up altogether? I think it's time to be very aggressive. You know, I thought Trey Young gave an interesting quote the other night. I don't think it was after the Wizards game. I think it was a couple nights before, but I could be misremembering. He said just about how cerebral you need to be to play under Quinn Snyder and how it can kind of take time to pick up on all the things he wants to do. How much um, time? How much time? Yeah, do you that's need? what I'm saying. He got I there agree. last year. Yeah, like how much time? Yeah, do you that's need? what I was gonna say. It's like I, I'm not doubting it, but it does feel like it's been a lot of time. And you know, when you kind of squinted when Snyder took over, it's like could this be maybe a, a little diet version of his Jazz team? I mean, you don't have Gobert in the middle, but you have a good defensive center in Clint Capella, a good backup in Onyeko Okongwu. Um, you know, it's not like that Jazz team was loaded up with a ton of perimeter defensive talent. I mean, they had good pieces, Royce O'Neal a younger Boyan Bogdanovich, but, you know, the Hawks have DeAndre Hunter. They have Jalen Johnson. Uh, you know, they they have guys that you think that they could at least be average defensively. And, you know, people want to point at Trey Young. I think Trey has been – he's never – he again, he's not a lockdown guy, but the effort has been there from him this year defensively. I, I don't think that he's – you can point and say, oh, he's just the lone issue. You, you remember that year after they kind of made the conference finals, or I think the next year they flamed out early in the playoffs and – you know, the front office at the time was like, we maybe we kept the team together a year too long or whatever. 
Um, I, I think it's pretty clear at this point that they need changes. And, and they have guys who are going to be attractive. I mean, it's also tough. Like, I was a big DeAndre Hunter fan. Um, and it feels like he's never really taken off in the way that I, I thought he had the potential to be a much better player than what he is now, at least as a scorer. I mean, he's a two-way guy that I think the right teams are going to have interest in. They have Bogdan Bogdanovich that I think teams are going to have interest in. Uh, I, if I were them, I think Jalen Johnson's a guy you try to keep around. He's been probably maybe their their brightest spot this season. But is he someone who, if you package with DeJounte, maybe you can get talent in return? I mean, they've obviously been linked to Siakam as well. I, I think they have to be aggressive because outside of Trey and probably Okongwu, I think you could talk me into trading almost everyone else on that roster. Because as easy it is for like two guys sitting here on a podcast say, trade Trey Young eventually and start over, that's not going to happen. I think he means a lot to that city. It's going to be very hard for them to get a player of his caliber back. Um, we've seen under the right conditions, they can make a little bit of a playoff run. So to me, I, I, everything's on the table. And it probably starts with DeJounte, who I really like as a player. But when they, I remember when they first got together, it was the same year Mitchell and Garland got together. And I really liked that fit more in Cleveland because both those guys had experience playing off the ball. That's not really the case with DeJounte and Trey. And, and they just never really seemed to figure it out. You know, even Murray's having a great shooting season this year. It, it just hasn't mattered. And I think it starts with you, you got to find a better compliment for Trey. Yeah, um, Trey Okongwu, I wouldn't trade Jalen Johnson either. I like him a lot, and he's under one of those rookie deals, so you don't give up guys like that. Uh, Murray, to me, is the most likely to go because he's still widely respected in the league for his two-way game. He's under a long-term contract, so you're not worried about losing team him. Team-friendly one, too. After a year. Yeah, pretty team-friendly. You're looking at, um, I'm pulling it up right now, $25 million next year, $27 million He makes million less than Jordan Poole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's there's that. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't he doesn't really cross the thirty million barrier, mm -hmm. you know, in yeah. the duration of that contract, which runs through twenty six, twenty seven player option in twenty seven and twenty eight. Um, I, I I I would think he'd be the one that you'd most likely deal. And I, I don't know what they're look look. If I'm the Hawks, I'm not looking at Pascal Siakam. Like I don't know what Pascal Siakam does for them. Like does does Pascal Siakam push them into the playoff mix? Yeah. But then your two options are losing him for nothing at the end of the year or giving him a big contract that may turn out to be pointless for a team that he doesn't move the needle for. So I'd be looking to move. To, look, they, they gave up, what, two draft, uh, two first for DeJounte Murray mm -hmm. in the first place. So I'd be looking to get that kind of value back in return uh, for Murray and then seeing what you can do with Trey Young and somebody else alongside it. Because I think that's where... I don't want to say their problems flow from, but that's one of their bigger problems that this backcourt just doesn't work. Like it's just not right. Can I? Yeah. So I think I ranked Siakam destinations and I had the Hawks pretty low. Cause I agree. He's not necessarily the biggest needle mover, but, but let me make the case for it in that they have not paired Trey. DeJounte was their big move to get in a second guy next to Trey young, right? Like this is going to be our second star, et cetera. The guy we stagger with blah, blah, blah. You could at least say that Siakam is a much more sensible fit as kind of a perimeter player, someone who could play both forward spots, is a defender, can defend multiple positions. Like, if you're talking about the archetype of a kind of player you want to pair with a star point guard, I think it is a Siakam type. You know, he's had a couple all-NBA finishes. Do I think he's like a bona fide 
top 20 guy year in, year out, pencil in. Not necessarily, you know. But I think that what would worry me is if they if they make a Murray trade to recoup draft picks, What what's the plan to kind of get in a second star next to Trey um, eventually before maybe he gets disgruntled and maybe he starts being the one asking out and that that's that's where it would get dicey you know there's been reporting that that he's so very much interested in winning now so that i think would be the case for siakam it it placates trey to an extent and at least you're you're there's some positional diversity there there is but i would have an overwhelming fear that siakam would walk at the Mm -hmm. end of the year i mean look you've got a team like philadelphia yeah that is going to be lurking out there with like 50 plus million dollars mm-hmm. in cap space. And the if you Pistons. look at what they're <laughs> yeah, well, Pistons, but that's <laughs> like, you know, I don't know what the upside <laughs> yeah. is of doing that. Um, but like if you're Siakam, you know, you've got your old coach and Nick Nurse in yeah. Philadelphia. You've got a chance to maximize your value on a four year deal. And you've got a chance to be a piece on a championship winning team. Because think about what they're going to be looking for. Like they're going to be looking for wings in Philadelphia because they're going to have Tyrese Maxey. They're going to have Joel Embiid. They're going to want somebody in between them. And Siakam can play multiple positions. Like he's perfect. It seems like for a Sixers team uh, that could be shopping next summer. So I'd be very leery unless I had a commitment from Siakam that look, we're going to offer you a five-year max, which might be a mistake in and of itself. We're going to offer you a five-year max. You're going to take it. You'll be here at least under contract beyond this season. Mm-hmm. I would be very nervous about dealing Murray for a player. And I, look, I, I'm not even sure why Toronto would want that. Like, I, they don't, yeah, that's another thing. I've, I have seen like, that, and I'm like, they just acquired quickly. I don't think they're going to no, want Toronto's, to recreate. Toronto's mindset, I can tell you with, with, with certainty, that Toronto's mindset is we want early 20s players. You know, that's mm-hmm. why I think the Warriors are the front runner for right. Siakam because Jonathan Kaminga fits what Toronto is trying to do. Mm-hmm. They're trying to build the team around Scotty Barnes, now R.J. Barrett, you know, Emmanuel Quickly, guys that have played really well for them, I should point out, um, and, you know, add somebody along that age bracket. Uh, I, I don't know what DeJounte Murray does for them. Unless they can turn and flip him in the offseason for something else, I, I don't know what the the upside was for that. But the Hawks got to do something. Like, we, it's, you know, I've, I've I've muscled through a handful of their games in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> they are, they're just a tough watch, man. They're a real tough watch right now. And I don't know how, how it's going to I mean, to getting get. carved up by the Wizards like that, that's... That, uh, was, that was tough. That's an that eye-opening loss, yeah. That was, that was kind of like one of those, like, all right, this is the basketball gods indicating that uh, we are not where we're supposed to be. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events... You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests we are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's talk about the Warriors. Draymond Green scheduled to make his return to the lineup tonight. Monday night, I should say, listening for those listening on Tuesday. Um, against the Memphis Grizzlies, Draymond has been out. Since early December, with uh, suspension, indefinite suspension from the NBA, he was reinstated last week. He has been slowly ramping up, and now he is stepping back into what looks like a mess. Golden State has lost three of their last four, most recently a loss at Milwaukee. Uh, they have other loss to Toronto and New Orleans. They have two more games left on this road trip against Memphis and Utah. So theoretically, these are the kind of games that, at least on paper, you get Draymond back, you get some of your mojo back. But this this Golden State team, Rowan, has had a lot of trouble finding a rotation that works. Like, it's pretty clear that Kaminga and Andrew Wiggins can't play together. Um, you got to play Kaminga, though. Like, Kaminga's starting to play like the guy that you thought he was going to be when they drafted in the lottery a few years ago. Like, you got to play him. Uh, now you got Draymond into that mix. Um you know, what do you think that, how do you think this transition is going to be? How smooth do you think it's going to be for Draymond to work his way back into the mix? Well, I don't know if it'll be smooth, but I'll say this. They need him. They definitely need him, especially with Chris Paul hurt now as well. Mm. Uh, they've had like a sneaky, terrible run of injuries between Gary Payton. The second's been out for most of the year. Chris Paul breaks his hand for like the millionth time in his career. Does he have like a punch card for hand surgeries? His <laughs> next one is free. Like, um, always breaking his hand somehow. They need Draymond. They need his ball handling. Um, they need, you know, he's, I think, still the player who works best with Steph offensively. They have a synergy on that end of the floor. They obviously can always use his defense. So they need, like, the focused version of Draymond. So I, th- I think he will he will at least help. Um, 
you know, to what degree he can help. I don't know, man. Like you mentioned, I, I don't know what they do with Wiggins and Kaminga. On, on paper, there's no reason for them to struggle this much playing together. I, Wiggins' shooting has just completely fallen off this year um, in a way that's baffling. And, and I don't know if it's fallout of the personal situation he was dealing with last year. Or something's changed for him. But the Wiggins we saw during their 2022 finals run was a completely different player than the guy we're seeing now. I mean, that guy... There's no reason that guy that we saw in 2022 playing defense on Jason Tatum in the finals, hitting big shots, couldn't play next to Jonathan Kaminga. But for whatever reason, it hasn't worked. You're right. Kaminga, you know, his per 36 numbers are are really, really good. Uh, He gets to the rim. I I think he's showing so much more scoring ability um, that they need to play him. You know, if you think about it, can can they get away with playing a Steph Clay? Kaminga, Draymond, Looney starting five though is that enough shooting um you know who's kind of the fifth in that small ball group it's tough questions man and and the pressure's mounting like people I think are genuinely and not inside the organization but outside the organization like the heat's turning up on Steve Kerr uh from fans at least um I think people are before the season would not have entertained this now maybe would entertain the idea of do we trade Clay Thompson I I the Siakam thing, I, I want to see it just because I think this team needs a mojo change. Like he's also like an iffier outside shooter and would, would make it an interesting fit there. But um, as presently constructed, I, you know, I don't see this team doing great things. I think Draymond's going to help them. They they need that type of player, but they need to make moves still. So after the loss to New Orleans, uh, which was the second straight blowout home loss. Uh, Steve Kerr said something to the effect of, we got to start showing some fight. Um, And Draymond can help with that. Draymond's going to bring energy. He's going to bring competitiveness. Um, I think they'll show a little more spirit uh, with Draymond back in the lineup. But we talked at the top of the show about the importance of these next couple of weeks for the Lakers. They are equally important, I think, for the Golden State Warriors. Look at just this next week alone. They've got Memphis... They've got Utah, and they've got Dallas before they get some time off uh, to rest before they go home. That's a stretch where I think they've got to go 2-1 and one at. You've got to get two wins out of those you gotta three. You've got to beat Memphis. I mean, you got you to beat Memphis. Memphis. Utah's hot, but you got to do your best there. And then Dallas, I don't know what Luka's health is going to be going into that game, so that's a winnable game, I think, as well. Then you're home, and you've got Atlanta. Should be a winnable game. Sacramento, winnable game. Like, Kings have not been world beaters. The Lakers, winnable game. You got the 76ers at home. That's going to be a tough one. And then going into the February trade deadline, you go out on a one, two, three, four, five, six, three, four, five, five game row, five game road trip, six games, six road games in seven nights. <laughs> Before you go out on that road trip, you've got to know what this team is, I think. Yeah. Because. You go on this road trip, and you you do have some easy ones. Atlanta's on that trip. You got to go to Brooklyn, Philadelphia, Indiana. Got to play against Phoenix. Um, you got to know what this team is before before then. So I look at these next two weeks as incredibly important because I'm with you. I, I don't think that you, you can't be sentimental with this group. You can't because you've still got Steph Curry that who is you know for the most part playing like an MVP candidate. He has been great. All-star, high-level guy. You've got to surround him with other high-level guys. And if that means trading Klay Thompson, that's what it means. If that means trading Jonathan Kaminga to get Pascal Siakam, that's what it means. Like, I just think you got to 
And I wouldn't be afraid to deal Kaminga for Siakam. And, and I know Kaminga could make them pay for that down the line mm-hmm. because he looks like he'd be a really good player. But Pascal Siakam right now is what's better for that team. And he's 29 yes. years old. Yes. You can't blink at giving him a long-term contract next summer. If you have Steph, Siakam, Draymond, and some of the other guys that they have in that mix, you're giving yourself at least a puncher's chance to compete in the Western Conference. So, you know, if you're Mike Dunleavy, you got to look to be aggressive if this thing continues to go either sideways or stays kind of the status quo over the next, uh, you know, next couple of weeks. Simple as that. Yeah, I, I agree. Do you like the Siakam fit there? Because I, I, I don't it. think it's the cleanest, but no, I, 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 think, I love it. Yeah, I love it. It's a defensive-minded guy. Yeah, I mean he's mm-hmm. a he's he's kind of gotten over his shooting yips. I think he's going to be mm-hmm. really good. Look, he was he excelled as kind of that number two three option playing yeah. you know off of uh, Kawhi uh, and, and Kyle True. Lowry during that championship season. Playing off Steph, I think is going to be great for him. Um, yeah, no, I, I like it there, and, and he knows how to win in the playoffs. Like. You know, look, Kawhi was the the leader of that championship team in Toronto, mm-hmm. but they don't win without Siakam playing to the level he played at. So I think I think he's a great fit there. I, I would do it in a heartbeat. I just if it comes Absolutely. with risk, and obviously you're you'd probably have to send out you know one of the greatest players in the history of the franchise. But it's the way it goes if you're going to try yeah. to compete. If you want to just be kind of this team that you know coasts to the end of your dynasty, you know, with you know a first or a second round playoff loss, fine. But if you want to give yourself at least a chance to win mm-hmm. one more championship, you got to swing big, I think, if, yeah. if things don't improve soon. And I do think Steph is the kind of guy that is still capable of being the number one on a championship team. You mentioned yeah. playing at an MVP level. like The numbers are there. It is crazy to think that they haven't been dominant with him on the floor this year. That's how just kind of up and down the supporting cast has been. I am fascinated to see. It's like, do they have to trade Wingens and Kamingo? Or is it like Kamingo and Chris Paul? get you someone like Siakam um the the structure of that trade would be very interesting to me but I agree someone like that would would help them a ton give them another half court score to which I think would help a lot yeah it's I uh I mean it, you look at I mean we talked about the Lakers too like they're both on the outside looking in right now I mean and Houston maybe will drop out but like that's gonna be a fight for both those teams just to make the play-in and I I like the Warriors chances more but it's gonna be a fight this year uh, just for them to make the play, make the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. Can I finish with one uh, bit of commentary on the New York Knicks? And this is not directed at the New York Knicks, the team. It's directed at the New York Knicks fans. Um, <laughs> the all-star voting that was revealed last week that had Jalen Brunson in sixth place, uh, do better, Knicks fans. <laughs> do, do better. Because, look, Jalen Brunson, in my opinion, has a chance to be an all-star starter. I mean, look, I think Tyrese Mm -hmm. Halliburton is going to get one of those spots. He deserves it. Mm -hmm. But then, at least in terms of the voting in the Eastern Conference, you've got Trey Young, not going to get a starting spot. Damian Lillard, eh, you could argue, sure. Mm -hmm. um, Made a great shot last night, but he's been Mm kind of uneven. Donovan Mitchell, not the same guy we've seen in in recent years. You know, Cleveland struggling as well. Tyrese Maxey, yeah, all right, fine. But look, the point is... That he is as good a case as any of those guys. As good a case as any of those guys, right? And all-star voting accounts for 50% of the <laughs> starting criteria. So you've got 50% for all-star uh, voting. Uh, you got 25% from the coaches panel. And you've got, it's coaches or players, I forget. Uh, I think it's coaches. And you've got 25% from schmucks like us in the media. And, and look, I can tell you, I'm giving strong consideration for voting on my official ballot for Jalen Brunson 
to be the starter. I, I got into this with uh, my good pal, Jerry Ferrara uh, on social media. And then we were texting about it later. Um, like, it's like, ah, Trey Young's popular with the kids. Trey Young <laughs> has his fan base outside of Atlanta. Come on. You are the New York Knicks. You have one of the widest and deepest and most passionate fan bases in the NBA. Vote for your guy. You should not be behind Tyrese Maxey. In- the, the NBA the NBA doesn't let, like, K-pop stars uh, influence voting anymore, right? Like, after Andrew Wiggins it's got not, in, they yeah, got rid you of... you can't do... Okay, because I was going to say, you know, they also have so many celebrities, like, you know, just get, you know... Uh, speaking of celebrities, by the way, if we're going to... If we're just saving things for commentary at the end of the show, can we just very briefly unpack... Do you think Emma Stone knows who Grayson Allen is? Or simply waving goodbye to the Suns. Just, you know, kind of a general goodbye. I got to believe she knows who he is. Um, they're, I mean, they're kind of in the same age bracket. He's younger. Hmm. Um, though Grayson going gray is certainly maybe yeah, a little more yeah, mature. Yeah. Um, I got to believe, because like, I, I remember seeing the video, uh, and I was uh-huh. at that game in L.A., where like Brad, I think Bradley Beal had a whole new level of respect for Grayson. I I think so too, and I I I, I yeah, I got a lot of questions. I want to you know, I got a lot of questions. Yeah, I would. Yeah, that was yeah, that was definitely not on my bingo card. To see Gray, <laughs> yeah, you know, correct. Don't say goodbye to Grayson Allen. I, but yeah. problem is, we didn't see the initial part of that. I don't think anybody <laughs> exactly. Asked yes, him. yes. Uh, and I didn't see. <laughs> I got, I, you know, honestly, God, I would have asked Grayson Allen after. I didn't see the clip until I got home mm, later right, on. Right, right. Uh, because that would have been a great. Soundbite, I think. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> You'd be like, yeah, we've been tight ever since, you know, Spider-Man right. 2. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. But, like, yeah. just to put a button on, on it, Knicks mm. fans, get out and vote, man. Like, mm. your guy, like, I, I have a, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, who is a passionate Knicks fan. Goes to Knicks games on the road. Was just in Dallas for their Knicks game. I don't think he votes. I, I'm, I'm convinced he doesn't. And, like, I don't think he votes because he's like, ah, who, what's the big deal? Nobody cares. I promise you, Jalen Brunson cares. Jalen Brunson wants to be the all-star starter in the Eastern Conference. That means something to Jalen Brunson. So mm-hmm. if you want to support your guy, Knicks fans, vote for Jalen Brunson for all-star. He should not be like 700,000 votes behind Trey Young. <laughs> I'm sorry. He shouldn't be. He shouldn't be trailing Tyrese Maxey and Donovan Mitchell in all-star voting. You are the New York Knicks. Your fan base is enormous. Vote. Just go vote. That is my Jalen Brunson PSA for the day. All right. We will be back same time next week. Good stuff. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. 
Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.